The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Sportbox. The headlines, U.S. President Joe Biden delivers a detailed battle plan to take on the pandemic, signing more executive orders during his first full day in the Oval Office, but issuing a dire warning about the spread of the virus. We're still in a dark winter of this pandemic. It's going to get worse before it gets better. The S&P and the Nasdaq hit record highs once again as focus turns to big tech. Apple shares popping 3.7% as investors bet on strong earnings from tech companies over coming weeks. Hackers steal financially sensitive information from Intel, prompting the tech giant to post earnings early, six minutes before the close of trade. The German engineering giant Siemens tops quarterly sales expectations, but the group takes a cautious view on the year ahead, saying the global rebound remains fragile. And the ECB holds policy rates steady, but President Christine Lagarde says it's ready to act with the pandemic posing serious risks to growth. Our compass, driving force, is the favourable financing conditions. The anchor is the countering the downward impact on inflation, on our inflation path. President Biden has issued a round of executive orders aimed at tackling the pandemic in his first full day in the White House. The slate of actions include a requirement to wear masks in airports and during interstate travel, along with an increase in vaccine manufacturing and testing. Biden also called for changes to COVID data gathering systems, as well as new guidance for workers and schools. But the president said the crisis will not improve in the short term, warning U.S. deaths from the virus are likely to rise above a half a million. Let me be very clear. Things are going to continue to get worse before they get better. The memorial we, uh, we held uh, two nights ago will not be our last one, unfortunately. The death toll will likely top 500,000 next month. The cases will continue to mount. We didn't get into this mess overnight, and it's going to take months for us to turn things around. But let me be equally clear. We will get through this. We will defeat this pandemic. Meanwhile, lawmakers from both sides of the aisle have hit out at Biden's proposed $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan. Opponents criticize the size of the measure and question the need for fresh spending following last month's $900 billion package. White House officials say they plan to meet with senators soon in a bid to secure bipartisan support. Meanwhile, U.S. weekly jobless claims fell slightly to 900,000, beating forecasts and moving off a four-month high reached last week. Elsewhere, housing starts jumped to 1.7 million units in December, the highest level since 2006, which sets up this fascinating dilemma for investors at the moment, Karen, that as they look at the pandemic news flow, 
they're also having to conjure with some of these better economic data points. A dose of reality all around yesterday, I think, and uh, Joe Biden talking about some of the pain ahead too on the rollout of vaccines as you still see an economy reeling from infections. And what we had on markets, a bit more caution too on the market open, particularly on the Dow, which faded in the first few minutes of trade and closed out to the session lower. That said, there were still pockets of appetite for investors to chase some assets, namely around technology. And you could see this outsized performance for the Nasdaq versus as the other major indices as we continue to to think about how long it may take to get out of this pandemic let's put the focus back on these pandemic winners it started with netflix early in the week and it continued yesterday with apple we saw a fairly strong trade in that stock in particular which did change the fortunes of the s p and nasdaq lifted them to those records by the finish Apple are jumping 3.6% as top analyst from Morgan Stanley said that she expects a record December quarter earnings uh, at the report card when it crosses. And what you've really seen was a reassessment of the lineup around the iPhones that the 12 and handsets should drive profitable growth. But also the work from home trends that we continue to witness has uh, been a positive catalyst for Apple's Mac, its iPad and services sales. So what you had was a price target that was lifted to $152 and that is up from the 144 they were at, but uh, also higher than the 136 that we saw on markets. So uh, implying about a 15% bounce from here on in on Apple stock. And it's quite stunning as we talk about stretched valuations and we can flip over the charts and take a look at the rest of the technology sector. Analysts still think that there's more mileage in the earnings based on what we're witnessing at uh, this particular point in the crisis. Uh, the other uh, components, Microsoft having a strong session, Facebook as well, a rally of 2%. Alphabet, Amazon, all seen as some of those tech winners in this crisis. A quick look at the dollar. This is uh, the early trade on uh, the US dollar. If we can flip over to the foreign exchange charts, you can see the dollar is gaining versus uh, the Chinese currency, Japan's uh, Japanese yen, uh, about a tenth of a percent firmer to the safe haven trade. Euro gaining a little bit of traction this morning. Uh, we did see some concern from the ECB yesterday about uh, the course of this pandemic and for the restrictions that may impact economic activity. But of course, the ECB standing ready to act if required still uh, 121.68 on that trade and sterling just coming off some of the high ranges versus the dollar down two tenths morning session treasuries did pick up a little bit uh, here's a quick look at the charts uh, we're at 1.10 again on that u.s 10-year yield so there was a, just a little bit of a nudge on that trade in session Karen, thank you. Uh, let's talk about the markets then with Nicholas Janvier, head of U.S. equities at Columbia Threadneedle Investments. Nicholas, good morning. Um, there's a head of steam in these markets at the moment. Um, fresh records again for the Nasdaq and the uh, S&P 500. But we have this very, very downbeat view on the virus coming from the new president. Is there a risk that some of this bubble of euphoria gets popped by the message from the president that actually the virus is more deadly and is going to be around as a problem for economic recovery longer than we anticipated. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. I, I think there's certainly always a risk in the short term that, that markets behave um, in a very volatile manner. And as you pointed out, just given the very strong run that we've had in equities, I think maybe one could argue that the risks are a bit heightened at this point, um, that you would have a setback. But but I think what you're seeing reflected in markets is is a reflection of, of markets looking past um, the, the impact of the virus and a focus on, on 2020 
the back end of 2021 and certainly 2022 as, as more normalized years. Um, for us, the way that we've been thinking about it is we're expecting very strong earnings growth um, in 2021 versus um, 2020, something to the order of, of, of 25%. Um, and certainly 2022 being a more normalized year with, with operating margins and, and earnings growing again, I, th I think that that's what you're seeing um, being reflected in markets right now. So, so my expectation would be even when you do see a bit of a, a short-term um, setback in markets, so long as the longer-term picture um, has not changed. And the longer-term picture is one where we know that um, central banks are um, have have committed to to maintaining rates um, low for as long as they can. We know that fiscal authorities have have um, committed to coming back with a bit more stimulus, and and so far um, companies are seeing a recovery um, and demand. And so long as that continues, I think the market probably continues to climb the wall of worry here. Nicholas, the, the, the broad view has been that we've got a reflation trade that's coming. It, it's been delayed, perhaps rather than cancelled, given what we know about the pandemic at the moment. And the messaging has been largely one of uh, moving into cyclicals that take advantage of that and perhaps lowering your exposure to technology. I wonder if you agree with the thesis here, because Apple and some of the other tech stocks again showed, showed us yesterday that you reduce your exposure in that area at your own peril. Right. I, I, I think it's it's important. Um, one of the things for, for viewers um, that may, they may want to do at this point is think back to, to four years ago and, and actually go back um, a little bit longer um, than four years ago. Um, the reaction that we saw in markets between um, the election and, and this week is very, very similar to what we saw um, when, when Donald Trump um, was elected president. Back then, there was a view that we were, reflation um, was on the common, perhaps the tech trade um, was over. But you fast forward um, four years, and what we've seen is these companies have continued to go from, from strength to strength, um, and inflation just has not come back in the way that a lot of market participants have expected. Um, so I think it's important while um, you know people are focused on macro factors to keep your head down and really focus on the underlying fundamentals of the these companies. Um, and big tech um, is doing well for a reason. And, and that's because, you know, when you look at the demand profile, the margin structure, uh, the free cash flow production of these companies, um, almost regardless of what has happened um, over the last um, four years, um, they've continued to do quite well. Nicholas, I was looking at the numbers, $262 billion added to the market capitalization, the FANG stocks uh, in the last couple of sessions on the back of one of the real catalysts, which was Netflix uh, refocusing the tension on these pandemic winners. But what happens next week? Because we get the onslaught of earnings season for the technology names, some of the big ones, Facebook, Alphabet, Apple reporting first up, uh, followed by other big names after that. Do you think we get a, a similar reaction to we, what we had in the banks where investors had moved so aggressively on these stocks they're a little bit underwhelmed by the earnings? Or is it a, a different scenario? Will it be a catalyst for more buying? I, I think it's, it's, it's always... Um um, a, a bit of a company by company um, scenario. Um, you, you brought up the banks, and, and I think the banks are, are a good example from the perspective of as good as the past quarter was, 
the forward-looking guidance, especially when it comes to loan growth, um, was quite um, underwhelming. Um, and when you contrast that to what we saw with Netflix, who came out and, and not only had a strong quarter, but the forward-looking view um, was quite strong. And I think that that's what's going to matter. It's, it's the forward-looking view, um, especially as you start to get into the back half of 2021, um, that I think investors are going to be focused on. Um, and so to the extent that you know, you, you you have the big fang stocks that provide the market with very strong guidance. I, I don't expect that you're going to see a, a negative reaction per se. And Nicholas, I want to circle back to the reaction we've had this week around inauguration because it might give us a window into just how much momentum underlines this market. It felt as though there was some form of an inauguration pop, not just on Wall Street, but across on those Asian markets as well, just witnessing what they see as a smooth transition in the handover of power. If you take that and and you put it aside and we move beyond this week, what's left in the markets? Um, I I think there are you know, when when you look at um, from the perspective of the politics, I think first and foremost it's important to step back. Um, what 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 we're not expecting is some sort of structural shift um, in the U.S. economy, right? Because that rarely happens, or just about never happens, from administration to administration. Um, but there are some things that this particular administration could focus on to continue to support the markets. I think first and foremost is going to be their commitment to further fiscal stimulus. Um, and I know that, you know, President Biden um, has proposed a $1.9 trillion um, stimulus package. And just to put that into context, that is about double what Congress passed um, in November. And that $900 billion package was akin to 4% of GDP. Um, so even if only half of the package um, that the president has proposed, and we do think when you look at the package that there is enough um, meat there um, to have bipartisan agreement agreement on on something akin to 800 million to to a billion that's 4% of gdp and from the perspective of having that flow through and support um, the us economy um, we think that that's 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 quite um, a big deal um, from a geopolitical perspective i think what markets are reacting to is is not that um, you know, the it's it's not that there's going to be a change in policy per se, um, but I think how that policy is conducted um, is going to be quite different. And as you know, if there's one thing that investors and markets generally really dislike, um, it's it's unpredictability and noise, right? So I think perhaps what you've seen being reflected here is a belief that um, the new commander in chief is going to be far more predictable and more traditional in how they conduct foreign policy. Nicholas, get very specific for us. You say there are going to be winners and losers uh, from here on in. Um, Who are the winners? Who are the losers? Yeah, I I think if you look at at the reaction that we've had in markets um, since November, um, I think it's fair to say that the market has done a pretty good job of differentiating between winners and losers. Um, If you look at the performance that you've had in green energy um, related um, equities, um, I I think that it's pretty clear that um, the Biden administration, given their commitment to to climate, and remember the very first act that the president um, did was, was coming back to the Paris um, Accord. Um, I think 
think that you are going to see um, continued strength in that sector. And these are um, companies who who stand to benefit. I think that the, the sector that's going to be most fascinating moving forward is is going to be healthcare, um, because what we have is the potential of expansion of Medicare and Medicaid um, should be good um, from the perspective of the insurers, because that's going to increase covered lives. That should be good for hospitals, but pricing restrictions um, obviously would be a negative um, for the pharma sector. Um, so I think that's going to be interesting to watch from a, a regulatory perspective. Um, you know, I know that the view is that the the, the Biden administration is going to be tough on the banks. It's going to be tough on the financials. Um, but when you look at from the perspective of what is there left to do, um, I don't know that there, there's a whole lot to do from the perspective of the financials as far as regulating them um, further from here. So although I know the consensus is that, um, you know, the regulatory backdrop will will get far tougher um, for the financials, um, for me um, and from the work that we've done, it's hard to see um, what there is um, left to do. Um, and then I think the final sector is one of the things that we're going to see this administration pivot to rather quickly is this idea of an infrastructure um, package. Um, so I would expect that, that anything infrastructure related um, probably, um, if they have not already um, outperformed, will probably start to garner a lot of attention from investors from here. A topic uh, both sides of the R can get on board around. Thank you very much for joining us. Nicholas Janvier, head of US Equities, Columbia Threadneedle Investments. Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has proposed a delay of former President Donald Trump's impeachment trial in the chamber to mid-February. McConnell released a statement saying the delay would allow both sides more time to prepare for the proceedings, adding that it is imperative that they do not allow a half-baked process to short-circuit the due process that former President Trump deserves. If impeached, the Senate may also ban Trump from running for public office again. Meanwhile, Facebook's oversight board will review the decision to indefinitely ban Donald Trump. Its verdict cannot be overturned by company executives. Described as the social media giant's Supreme Court, the newly formed independent body makes decisions on permitted content. A tweet from the group said it would begin receiving public comments on the case next week. Coming up on the show, a hack prompts Intel to release earnings minutes before the closing bell. We'll break down those details right after the break. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. Siemens says it will review its 2021 outlook after reporting stronger-than-expected preliminary first-quarter results. Um, let's get out to Annette, uh, who's got more on the story for us. We'll just break down the details for us, Annette. What's the underlying business strength? Well, actually, they, they're two business areas, which they are calling digital industries and smart infrastructure. Um, they are outperforming uh, analyst expectations in the last quarter. And they had a better start to their new fiscal year because their fiscal year starts 
um, back in 2020. Um, then the analysts had expected, but then uh, also the company um, had expected back uh, last year, they were actually guiding us that they're only seeing a hesitant uh, coming back of demand. So just a slight increase. And that seems to be much better. And again, we're hearing from another German company after BASF actually also hiked their guidance on and it performed better than expected, that China is the region of the world who is driving demand also for a Siemens. So, and if you look at their profitability, in, when we look at the EBIT margin, which they already pre-released for digital industries, that is now standing at 2022.5%, a lot higher then their guidance for the full year and smart infrastructure is also doing better in terms of profitability. So what they're also saying that they are looking at their guidance for the full year when they publish the full data set on February 3rd. Jeff? All right, we're going to wrap it up there. We'll see you a little bit later on to talk about the ECB, Annetta. So uh, go grab yourself a coffee and we'll come back to you. you. And let's push on to some corporate numbers and Intel earnings were overshadowed after a hack led to the company releasing its results just minutes before the closing bell. Shares jumped briefly with the company saying it released the numbers after learning a graphic from its statement had been accessed without authorization. The stock fell as extended trade began despite the chipmaker reporting a beat on both the top and bottom lines amid strong PC sales. It is the final quarter for outgoing chief Bob Swan, incoming CEO Pat Gelsinger said the company was a bellwether for the wider sector. This is a national asset. This company needs to be healthy for the technology industry, for technology in America. And to me, it's an opportunity to help and to unquestionably put Intel and the United States in that technology leadership position. So I'm excited by that opportunity. It's an odd turn of events, isn't it? I mean, typically there, these report cards come after the bell and not before, but mm. uh, there was this view that uh, they'd heard that the uh, details of some graphic was circulating out there uh, across the marketplace, so they decided to move early. But the question is how that graphic got out there. Mm. There's talk that it was a result of uh, an illicit action and not uh, an unintentional disclosure by the company. You know, sometimes there have been those fat finger trigger issues on uh, computer keyboards, but it's seemingly not the case in this particular instance. Yeah, I, I just wonder if it, this was another one of those situations where, I mean, look, we, we get these guys coming around all the time, uh, guys and gals, I should say, for, to be politically correct on this, who come and tell us about digital security. And they, they say the same things all over the uh, over again. You know, don't make your password one, two, three, four. Uh, don't <laughs> oh, stick really? your password <laughs> underneath your desk on a piece of card. Don't have the same password on multiple devices. When we get to the heart of this, if we get to the heart of this, because I suspect we may not get the full detail on that, I wonder if it'll turn out that it was a breach ultimately as a result of internal uh, digital security. We'll wait and we'll watch. It just sounds embarrassing. You're a chip maker. You're a technology company and you've been hacked from the outside. Maybe it's better that we learn that actually it was a breach that was the result of just poor internal security because at least that way we can believe in the strength of the systems. But I just wanted to move on to the, the bigger market implications of, of what we've heard, heard from Intel here. And they're in a sweet spot. Quite frankly, anybody in the chip space at the moment is in a sweet spot because there is a lack of chips around. We had stronger demand um, on the PC side than the chip makers expected. We had strong demand on the auto side than the chip makers expected. People stuck at home 
have been buying new kettles or new products that now have chips in them. Chips are more ubiquitous in almost every device because we're all looking forward to the, the world of everything being connected here. Somehow, the chip companies missed it in the cycle and they didn't produce enough chips. And then, of course, you've got President Trump on top of that who made it difficult for a lot of the Chinese chip makers to get their product into international markets here. So there's a wonderful opportunity for Intel and the other chip companies to enjoy their moment in the sun here. That said, there has been somewhat of a fight with shareholders, the activist shareholders in particular, as to whether Intel should keep its manufacturing process. A lot of the chip makers are mostly in the design uh, part of the market, not actually making the chips themselves. But Intel has been one that's continued uh, that method, uh, which meant it could be more dynamic as the demand story changed, it could respond and uh, you know, project resources where required and make more chips. So that was one of the reasons why the numbers were particularly strong. And it's, it's quite adamant, even with the incoming CEO, despite this pressure that they want to keep some of this manufacturing process. Uh, you point to, to Trump. I mean, there's been this real fight as to whether Intel can do business with Huawei, supply some of its chips to the Chinese maker. Uh, and clearly that has a big impact when you talk about the, the supply-demand story. If you can't do business with one of the major players in China, so uh, there's been a few wild cards, I think, for the CEO to navigate. The question for me is just how quickly they're able to respond here, because um, setting up a fab factory is not easy. It's very expensive. We're talking about billions of dollars of outlay because these machines that make semiconductors are incredibly sophisticated and it is very expensive to set up these plants. So whether they can actually take advantage of this full cycle remains to be seen here, and that would just be my one proviso. Uh, the volume of PC ships, uh, ships sold uh, jumped 33% uh, apparently in the latest quarter, so a uh, fairly significant bounce. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.